But if the client's still working and we're banking on that inheritance as part of their plan to make sure that it's going to be adequately funded, that's a risk. And that's a risk that should not be taken lightly. Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. Kevin is the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. You can find us online by going to truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, great to talk with you once again this week. As we near the end of May, we're in the final week of May. Unbelievable, Kevin, that the uh, year has flown by as fast as it has with all that's gone on. I mean, we certainly haven't been, uh, it hasn't been a boring year with so much in the news and so much happening. And I think that's helped this year just fly by even faster at this point. No doubt it's been a, an interesting year for sure. So, um, but I had something actually, I had a, a customer complaint uh, in the last, oh. since we last recorded, and uh, I thought I'd share it. You sure you want to bring that up? <laughs> well, you know, so uh, full disclosure here transparency is key uh, in this That's sort good. of business. But um, so I was teaching my daughter how to play checkers. And, um, you know, going through and teaching her about, well, hey, you don't want to move there unless you have support. And, you know, she really liked the idea of getting kings and, and being able to kind of move all around the board. And so I'm going through and teaching her, you know, how to move. And I'm playing against her. And so she got, uh, once the, the, the board becomes uh, more spacious, it gets a little bit more complicated. There's just a lot more. Uh, thinking and thinking ahead. And so we were going through that. And I said, well, maybe, you, you know, you want to move here. Uh, and so she did. And then I made the mistake of not thinking ahead far enough. And actually, uh, the, the advice that I gave her turned out to be bad advice. And so literally, she looked at me just stunned, uh, eyes wide open and just directly gleaming into mine and said, Daddy, you gave me bad advice. And, <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't that she said, Daddy, you told me a bad move or something, but she said bad advice. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm in the advice business. What are you saying? So uh, technically, it wasn't a customer complaint. It was a child complaint, which I don't have to file with uh, in my compliance folder or anything like that. Uh, but it was just funny how she said it. So I, I responded to her. I said, well, Aubrey, do you want me to teach you how to play? Or do you just want to win? And she says, very deliberately, said, Daddy, I just want to win. So, <laughs> so you know, some of these sheltering in place. She's got the heart of a competitor. Oh, for sure. And, <laughs> I, and I have no clue whatsoever where, where she gets that from. My wife just looks at me every time that there's something of the sort that comes out like that. But it was just a, a really, you know, kind of fun and funny moment for us. But, you know, we've we've gotten into so many different things, uh, family-oriented, uh, like playing checkers. We haven't moved on to chess yet we got a master checkers uh playing rummy and all kinds of other card games but that was just something that came out that i don't think i'll forget that so my, yeah my daughter accused me of giving bad advice so i i have to go ahead and and repent for that today and uh, and see if i can do a good job talking about ways to retire smarter there was a, uh, a moment in the office where uh, something similar happens and uh, they go, you know, life, life lesson. Not every task is worth doing. And that would be a good, you know, life lesson. Not all advice is worth following. So, you know, you taught her an important lesson that day. She'll think <laughs> twice before just randomly taking someone's advice in the future. She'll, ver she'll, she'll trust, trust but, but verify, verify in yes. the future. <laughs> 
So that's a that's a great lesson. You know, I remember learning lots of great lessons playing board games and card games growing up. My grandmother, who um, I think I've talked about her on the show before over the over the years, who was the one that didn't give us traditional you know birthday and Christmas and you know holiday type gifts. Uh, growing up, she would give us stock as presents, you know, small amounts, but, you know, Disney stock and Harley Davidson and like Hershey's cool stuff that, you know, kids would enjoy. It kind of got us always thinking about finances and money and retirement and that kind of thing. You know, the cool grandma nowadays to look back on that for sure. But she was the same way with games when we played Rummy. That was her favorite game. In fact, whenever she comes down Mother's Day weekend, she goes to visit my parents and I always try to slip slide over there to visit. They always have a big rummy tournament and and she either takes the trophy back with her to new jersey or it, it stays at my folks house and i've never won the tournament so uh, i haven't been there long enough to qualify to win the tournament <laughs> um but uh she would teach me how to you know just like math with rummy so we were not allowed growing up to count it as just like five tens and fifteens for the aces you had to count your your winnings in rummy through the actual card number so you know, you had to add the two and the seven and the, the eight and the five and, you know, so on and so forth to count up your score at the end of each round. So it was a little bit of a pain, but it was always a good way to kind of, you know, learn addition and subtraction and that kind of thing. So Yeah, we're, we're doing the exact same thing. So Aubrey's, uh, you know, she's, it sounds funny to me when you say graduated kindergarten <laughs> and all graduations this year. I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> teachers did. Like, oh, what the hell? It's COVID. You passed. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, I feel like a lot of that probably went on. But um, so she's, uh, you know, she just finished kindergarten, whatever that means this year. And she'll be going into first grade in the fall. So we're doing, a, you know, a lot of math and uh, we're definitely doing that with Rummy. So we're, we're kind of walt- walking nice. in your footsteps in that regard for you and your grandmother, Walter. It's not a, uh, not a bad path to go down. So great to hear that you're having, uh, having a good time and uh, learning lots of things. And, and it sounds like navigating your way through all of the uh, challenges that COVID has kind of thrown in your direction. Everyone's had to try and adjust to become, you know, teachers and uh, trying to fill those roles when, you know, not able to do so remotely or in the traditional sense. So interesting times for everybody trying to figure out and navigate those waters, that's for sure. Well, we've got a great show on the way today here on Retire Smarter, and we're going to learn a little bit about uh, talking about inheritances on today's show and banking on that as part of your retirement and uh, financial equation. And I think Kevin's got some interesting uh, takeaways and stories lined up for us on that front. But one other thing I've noticed, Kevin, is, and I'm sure everybody has noticed this as we've kind of reached the end of May, in many areas across the country, people definitely, whatever your opinion on the subject is from from a COVID situation, seem to really be in large swaths kind of taking foot off the gas and maybe taking eye off the ball a little bit. I mean, we're seeing a lot of places reopening in full force, not so much for that, you know, toe dipped into the water reopening, but some places at full force there, Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, and I kind of feel like the same thing maybe is happening in the market a little bit too. Like that amazing, ridiculous drop that we had in the market almost kind of seems like it's in the rearview mirror and people have kind of pushed it out of their memories a little bit. I don't know, just some of the takeaways I'm getting that people are ready to move on so fast. Are we doing it in kind of maybe a, a little bit of a dangerous way? And this kind of happened uh, accidentally, but 
I, I was had a, we've had several meetings over the last few weeks, and it just kind of fell out of my mouth. But uh, I, I liked it, the way that it sounded, uh, even though it, it was a little bit perplexing. But I said things are certainly uncertain, and <laughs> and, and I think that's 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 true. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different. Um, I mean, we we had the podcast episode uh, a couple weeks ago where we talked about risk and uncertainty, and I think the risks are becoming more known, but. There's still a lot of uncertainty about different paths that uh, the whole situation can take from a health perspective, as well as you know an economic impact perspective. And you know the market always tends to lead the economy, but I mean there's kind of a uh, you know an unclear relationship uh, just given the situation that we're in right now. So we'll see. I mean, there's I, I I'm not going to start making predictions, but uh, there's certainly uh, um, an infinite amount of scenarios that can happen. You know, some are really bad, uh, some are good. But when you start looking at the market, I was certainly, and we've talked about this in the past, but uh, the the pace with which the market sold off was historically unprecedented. You know, went down you know more than thirty five percent in in just about a month. But then when the Fed came in and really started. Uh, just supporting uh, markets with uh, a seemingly unlimited amount of money. And then we started getting uh, the uh, fiscal response from Congress as well. And it looks like we're due for another one here uh, in the next week or two. Things rebounded uh, more quickly than certainly what I was expecting. And I think what than what most people were expecting. So that's been certainly welcomed. Uh, however, you know, when you think about stocks, I'll just kind of loop this in on a high level and just Kind of put a little bow on it, but we've we've talked in the past going through an investing process, and we've talked about uh, a dynamic allocation, uh, and we related that really to retirement income generation. But starting from uh, kind of looking at past uh, data, you know, historical stock returns, relationships of assets and things like that, it's certainly a good starting point. But then if you're going to move beyond that and say maybe you're changing your allocation or your, your investment recipe and, you know, tweaking your ingredients or the underlying investments that you're using, really it, it's going to come down to two things. You're, you're either going to do it on the auspices of timing, or you're going to do it under the auspices of price, meaning that um, the price is lower or higher. So you're going to go ahead and, and make a change to go ahead and overweight or underweight uh, an asset class or group of stocks or something of the sort. And the timing uh, is, is very poor. We've done past episodes, uh, actually just this year, when we looked at the evidence of market timers and how it was incredibly poor. And uh, not only from a theoretical basis, but how the actual evidence of mutual fund managers that have a tactical uh, approach and, and fall within that category, the actual evidence has actually mirrored uh, the theoretical evidence almost uh, exactly. And so when you look at this and you're kind of going through it and and you're looking out over the next year or two or three, you know, I don't know if stocks are fairly priced right now or not. It's just, frankly, it's too uncertain. And um, but when you start looking at other asset classes and, you, you know, everybody should have some bonds in their portfolio, some cash, probably uh, some stocks uh, of different uh, variety, domestic, international, what have you. But if you look at high quality bonds, you know, interest rates are very, very low uh, for U.S. government bonds, and they're likely to stay that way for a while. Post-2008, the Fed kept rates near zero for nearly an entire decade. And we're probably in a sort of repeat of that to a certain degree. I certainly don't think there's going to be any sort of rise in interest rates anytime soon. And, And the Fed doesn't 
completely control interest rates either. You know, it is kind of a global monetary thing uh, and flows of money come in and come out and, and the Fed's not buying as many treasuries as they were in March and rates are still pretty stable. But when you look and you're buying, say, a 10-year government bond and it's yielding about 0.7% uh, here this last week in May of 2020, if you hold it for 10 years, you're gonna, that's what you're going to get per year. Now, if stocks sell off a lot, that's really that kind of asset is really going to do quite well. Uh, but if rates do go up a little bit more, uh, then uh, your 0.7% is going to experience some, some negative price movement. So if rates stay the same, you're getting a low return. If rates go up, you're getting a lower return. And if rates go lower, uh, then you will get a positive return. But again, we're already at a really low base. So if you go through kind of the, the recipe of assets that you have, I feel fairly confident and comfortable saying that we can expect a pretty low return from those high quality bonds. I'm not saying that you need to completely be out of them, but you, you may want to consider you know, looking to some other uh, assets that are having a little bit higher yield, uh, but also uh, what I would say kind of a margin of safety, or maybe their price is, has come down and you're, you're getting compensated for risk. I do, however, think it's risky uh, and uncertain, maybe a better word to just say, hey, let's keep going into stocks and buy more stocks with that. It's if you look at you know the technology companies which we talked about last week and kind of large U.S. growth companies uh, more broadly, they're positive on the year and they came into this year pretty highly priced. And we talked about in the last episode how uh, again you can't predict the timing, but if you just go ahead and extrapolate that over time, you can pretty logically show that that's just can't happen again. That their really good past performance can't be repeated. So what do you do? Do you go into other asset classes and, and stocks that have been beaten down or maybe still down 20, 25% year to date or something like that? Maybe, but again, you're kind of making a timing decision when you're doing that. So, it, you know, we're, I'm kind of talking myself in circles a little bit here, but the thing I'm, I just want people to take away is, you know, it's certainly the right thing to do to stay disciplined through this. I certainly don't think this is over either. You know, there could be uh, another big sell-off in the market. It seems unlikely that we would go down below, you know, the lows that we had in March. But it's not all wind at our backs, and you know, it's a bright future at this point. You know, there's still no vaccine uh, that has been uh, identified as having high efficacy and you know going to be widely distributed or anything like that. There's still a lot of companies that are going to go bankrupt, uh, you know, through this uh, that aren't just going to make it. Still a lot of people unemployed and the extra unemployment is going to round in July. I mean, again, it's just an uncertain world. So really the reason why I wanted to talk about this at least briefly today was just that, hey, it's been good that we had this rebound. It's great. But just continue to maintain discipline and continue to expect that this uncertainty can lead to another round or rounds of increased volatility. And you can see the stock sell off again. But if that happens, uh, again, you have a plan in place. Hopefully you have a process in place for the investments. It's just you have to work through the process. We talked about that a lot in March and we were just nothing had really changed, but it just the speed with which we had to execute and then kind of rethink and re-execute was just very quick. And so I, I don't think we're going to have that sort of speed factor like we did in March, particularly now that the Fed has come in uh, as they have. But I certainly don't think we're completely out of the woods yet either. So, you know, a lot of a lot of that being said, it's just I'm just trying to kind of lay the ground for, you know, we're not out of the woods, stay disciplined, not necessarily making any sort of market call or anything like that. I mean, I don't believe in that, but you may want to go ahead and start looking at particularly some of the high quality bonds 
and saying, we know that there's not going to be a high return there. We know we probably have to have some of them in our portfolio because if things do get really bad, that's where we're going to get a ballast from. It's going to be the dry powder. Those assets are going to do really well. So you don't want to completely remove them from the portfolio, but maybe kind of reconsidering the appropriate size of that in your portfolio. And then if you're going to go ahead and you know decrease the size, well, where are we going to put it? Stocks more uncertain. Maybe there's some other higher yielding debt assets that uh, that are, can be put into the portfolio that have a better margin of safety. Uh, and, and in fact, I mean that's the process that we're going through right now. So uh, we are we've identified something that we want to go ahead and allocate to, and we're just working through kind of the sizing and, and working through our process right now before we put it into the client portfolios here in the next few weeks. So that's coming for all of our clients that are listening. That's coming, and we'll get uh, communication about what's changing and why when that's made. Uh, but uh, again, kind of a public service announcement, if you will, uh, the equities can certainly see some continued volatility. Things have been quite nice here for several, several weeks now, and that's been great. And we've had such a strong rebound, particularly in these large U.S. growth asset classes and in these technology and healthcare companies. Uh, but by no means are we out of the woods yet. Our listeners don't know this, Kevin, but you told me before the show today, you're getting ready to go after we record out on for a little boating uh, adventure this afternoon and uh, and today. And so I think your mindset is already there talking about a ballast. You know, you're, uh, you're, you're dropping boating words all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell the mindset is going that direction. All so. right. Well, I, I'm not a, I'm a rookie. Uh, I'm not even a rookie yet. So we uh, we will see how this goes. I just want to make sure that I come back safe. So I'm, I'm getting training on learning how to go boating. So yes. there you go. I think a, I think a ballast is probably a, a term more associated with like a large ship and probably not the you know boat that you'll be driving around and, and messing around on today but anyway just it, it made me chuckle hearing that uh, hearing that word on uh, today's show given the fact that you're gonna be on the water a little bit later today um, it's interesting though Kevin because you're right we have some good news about the market's direction here and there but yet we continue to get lots of bad news I mean in just the last couple of weeks what Pier one you know, bankrupt going out of business. We were talking before the show about Hertz, you know, coming up next, kind of based out of your out of your backyard there. So, I mean, there's still going to be bad news to be had through this, even if the, uh, you know, pandemic doesn't, you know, kind of bounce back up as we reopen here. So bad things can still happen. And like you said, still a lot of uncertainty. Absolutely. Certainly uncertain. Well, you mentioned that we wanted to talk a little bit today as well, going over the concept and the idea of banking on or including the possibility of an inheritance into the financial plan. And this is something that obviously is an interesting subject and something to talk about because I know like my parents, for example, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to have it be a possibility. Like they don't even want it to be a, a conversation had. They don't want to count on it at all. It's just something that they don't want to even be engaged with, whereas others make it a very essential part of their plan. And then you got a lot of people that kind of fall on the in-between part of that spectrum. Yet I feel it's a topic that doesn't actually get talked a lot about in the financial space. So I'm kind of interested to get into that discussion with you today. Yeah. So I guess let me ask you, Walter, I don't know if this is something that you've discussed with other uh, advisors in the past or anything of the sort, but I mean, what's your, what's your gut feel about uh, under what conditions might you include an inheritance or should you at all uh, for that matter? Should you include it in your retirement plan? You know, what do you think? 
I would say it's it all comes down to the communication um, and the relationship that you might have with the person that you're supposed to get the inheritance from. So, I mean, have they been clear and upfront with you that, hey, this is coming to you, this is exactly what it looks like, and, you know, they've included you in that process of discussion, and, it, you know, there's there's no question marks about it, then, you know, might feel more comfortable in making that part of the plan. But if it's just sort of, if you're making, anytime we're making assumptions about maybe what's on the other side, that might be where it becomes a very uh, dangerous game to play. So I would just say it all comes down to the communication, but I'm no expert, so I'm interested in your thoughts. So I I completely agree that the communication is important, Um, but there's, it's something that I think you have to certainly be on the more conservative side and lean towards not including it or, or heavily discounting it. If so, just because of some of the uncertainty. So people are living longer. Who knows how long mom or dad are going to live? And to your point, I think most importantly, <laughs> a lot of people, particularly the older generation, you know, you don't talk about money. And the communication could certainly be non-existent. I remember when I was growing up, really the only way I, I remember my parents talking about money is like when their bedroom door was closed. <laughs> and, and they didn't want us talk about, you know, they didn't want the kids uh, hearing uh, hearing them, even though, you know, the door was paper thin and we could hear them anyway. But um, it, it's, you know, it's just these little money scripts that you kind of pick up as you're growing up. And if, you're, if your parents didn't talk about money consciously or not, they kind of taught you that. But that was largely uh, what happened in the Krosky household growing up. Uh, Money was certainly was tight, and uh, I always would joke and say we kind of teetered between uh, being lower middle class and upper poor, and it kind of depended on how many jobs mom had and and what have you. But you know, if the parents aren't talking about it, it certainly can be an awkward conversation to have. You know, if you think about uh, you know going to your mom or dad and saying, "Hey, you know, I was going through this retirement planning process and." we were just wondering, you know, what do you guys have and how much can we count on? <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot of people would not feel feel comfortable doing something like that. And certainly it goes down to the relationship and the communication and the money script that your parents have and, and what you have and, and, and all of that. But if we take a step back from that, and I'll kind of loop that, that communication aspect back in when I share a couple uh, stories here in a moment. Um, with people living longer in general, you know, who knows when somebody's going to pass? Uh, who knows if uh, they are going to need an extended stay in a nursing home and maybe spend uh, more than $100,000 per year for their care? You know, it's not the average that somebody's going to do that uh, for an extended period of time, but it's possible. And uh, because it's possible, even if it's a low probability event, I mean, if you're, if, somebody, if mom and dad have uh, a million bucks and, you know, they have one of these, you know, low probability, many, many year events in a nursing home. I mean, they could certainly use that money up over their lifetime. And what you were banking on is something a lot less than that with uh, remarriage. You know, most of the older generation, when I'm thinking about people, you know, in their eighties, it's, it's quite common uh, that you've uh, over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, You've had a lot of estate planning issues because these people have been married for their whole lives. They don't necessarily want to be single uh, when uh, you know their spouse passes and you know, here they are a widow. And so they get remarried. Maybe they don't do proper estate planning. 
and you know mom gets remarried to say a younger man mom passes away and you know they're kind of not thinking through the estate planning part all of mom's assets go to her surviving second husband and now her kids are accidentally disinherited uh so you know whether they're going to live long and you know use up the money whether it's for unforeseen nursing home or other health care costs whether it's poor estate planning these are all very real risks you know, that are out there that we just don't have perfect information for. So it, when we're working for, with a client, and literally in the last week, uh, we've had three different uh, client cases that had uh, assumptions on inheritance in their plan. And, and I'll kind of talk at least about two of them, you know, kind of pro and con what the situation was. But if somebody, if the client's still working and we're banking on that inheritance as part of their plan to make sure that it's going to be adequately funded, and you know it's not a, more of like an icing on the top of the cake where hey they've already fully met their own retirement needs and really whatever we get from mom and dad is is really just going to be that icing on the cake that's a that's a risk and that's a risk that should not be taken lightly uh so it, it's uncertain and again who knows how long they're going to live uh, if there's going to be end of life care or nursing home that could eat that up some sort of remarriage or, or who knows maybe you fall out of their good graces for some reason and uh maybe there's a, a rewrite of the will or, or something like that you, you don't know and so if you're going to cut the cord on um, on that retirement date and particularly on that paycheck and turn that off and you're banking on inheritance in your retirement plan that's a risk. So I'll just talk through two cases here and uh, kind of highlight them, certainly in a confidential format, and just talk through some of these situations, one where we feel more comfortable and one where I feel like there's more risk. But ultimately, you know, we kind of talk through those uh, pros and cons and those risks and the client decides. Uh, so that's, that's our job and that's what we did. So in case one, uh, I'll call him Steve. And uh, Steve uh, is single and uh, mom is, is now 89. And uh, we've been working with Steve for, oh, about 10 years or so, maybe a little bit longer. And we actually started working with Steve's mom uh, about six years ago after Steve's dad had passed away. And so we work both with Steve and with mom. So we handle their planning, their investing, their taxes year in and year out. Um, and mom is in a facility uh, in a very nice facility that has a, a life care component to it. So she is in uh, a place where regardless of the amount of long-term care that she needs, uh, it basically it's prepaid for. So she's in a continuing care retirement community. She's still in the independent living. She is quite vibrant, 89-year-old, very active, at least up until this whole COVID situation. And now the the uh, the CCRC, or for short, is, is on lockdown mode, as you could imagine. And um, while they're still active uh, on grounds, they're not going out uh, by any means. So mom uh, has had a, a pretty vibrant uh, life, you know, dating other men and, and what have you. She's happy, uh, and mom has about uh, you know a million and a half dollars uh, between an IRA and between a trust account. And Steve and his two siblings uh, are planning on inheriting that money. It's uh, a third each uh, across the board. And in fact, when we first started doing planning for mom, uh, we showed her that hey, you know, not only are you going to be fine, uh, you and your husband did a great job, you know, earning money and living below your means for all those years. But you know, if you really wanted to help and benefit, you know, Steve and and the other two siblings now, I mean, or even the grandkids, I mean, you can make gifts to do that. 
And so mom actually did some of that in the last few years, making gifts to her kids. And, and mom still has plenty of money for her lifetime. And again, importantly, has that um, kind of prepaid life care component in the CCRC. So even if you know she has some sort of um, needs round the clock, you know, monitoring, you know, nursing home level care in the CCRC, it's paid for. So that risk has really been taken uh, off of her and something that we don't have to worry about. Additionally, the remarriage risk, well, mom is dating and, and I think uh, mom has, a, I guess, a serious boyfriend. There, there, not only is there no intent stated by mom to get remarried, you know, they've been together, but, and I think they're, you know, again, they're just dating, uh, but I don't think there's an intent to get married and they're kind of getting the benefits of, they're not even cohabitating, but they're, they're in the CCRC together. It's like being on the college dorm, right? But just on the other end of the, the age spectrum. So they get to go down the hall and see one another, go out on dates and what have you, and they're good. But because we're, we're working closely with mom as well, you know, we're doing all the work for, it, it just, we feel more comfortable that there's not going to be some accidental sort of remarriage and disinheriting event happening. And if you just do a simple Google search about, you know, like gray divorce or accidental uh, uninheritance or something like that, a great, you know, along those lines, you're going to see all kinds of different cases and horror stories. It happens. It definitely happens. But because we have the relationship, because there's an open communication with Steve and mom, Steve is the power of attorney for mom. Steve is, you know, the financial power of attorney, what have you. He's close relationship. All three of us are on the same page. Mom's wishes are very clear. Already made gifts to Steve and the two siblings. We have included the inheritance in Steve's financial plan. Now, we don't know uh, what it's going to be, of course. We don't know how long Mom's going to live and what have you, but we can make some estimates, and then we just want to be a little bit on the conservative side because Steve is banking on this for his own retirement plan, and Steve has, in fact, retired in advance of fully funding his own retirement plan, banking on at least part of the inheritance that he's getting from Mom. So, you know, that's that's one way to look at it. Again, this is uh, we've been working with Steve from for about 10 years or so mom for five or six know them very well. Communication is very open. Steve handles the finances for mom. We've had communication with the other siblings as well. Uh, so your point about the communication, Walter, was very important. And in this situation, I think, does a really great job epitomizing that not only between the family, but also uh, with the advisor. I think it's interesting to follow that the, those threads and those different lines of uh, the way people think and approach this situation, and it really comes down to. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. It's it's sort of like you started off telling the story about mom and dad behind the closed door, you know, whispering about the finances and what you kids then learn from that. I mean, this conversation about inheritances really starts and begins all the way back at the beginning like that. It's it's a lifetime of communication and relationship between the different parties that leads to how this whole thing evolves over time and then works itself out in the end. So it's kind of interesting. This is a financial decision that's really kind of a lifetime in the making in some way. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll contrast uh, Steve and his mom's situation with uh, with another client or two oh, briefly. Good. A contrasting story. You, you got it. In, in, in this case, uh, we're working with Jane and Jane's married and Jane's parents uh, have a, a large amount of money, you know, somewhere between like three and four million dollars. So, you know, they've done quite well. We've been working with Jane now for just a couple of years. Uh, we, we've never met Jane's parents either. And the parents are only in their 
their mid seventies. Uh, so you know where Steve's mom was was is now eighty nine. Jane's parents were only in their mid seventies. So who knows? I mean, they could be living for another you know twenty thirty years. It's, it's possible. And uh, and and Jane doesn't know either. Uh, but Jane is working. She's not exactly happy in her role. She's making you know good money, but she's just. She feels like she's just ready, you know, to kind of move on. You know, maybe she does some work after uh, maybe some consulting work or something, but there's just a lot of uncertainty uh, in her her work life. But she just, what she feels pretty confident about is that she's just ready to make a change. And so the the uh, the part about the inheritance came up in in, in her planning and, and banking on it. And knowing that their parents were only in their mid seventies, I was immediately much more skeptical about including it in her plan. Obviously, there's a lot of money that's there, you know, three to four million dollars. But I I have no idea how much her parents you know live on. Uh, we, we we talked about it a little bit, uh, and Jane had spoken with her parents about it on a high level, but. You know, not the kind of, it's not like uh, Jane was financial power of attorney for her parents and handling her affairs like Steve was for his mom. So the other, when talking through a little bit more, Jane's parents, uh, it was actually a second marriage. They had been married for a long time, you know, 30, 40 years, but it, it was, Jane had uh, some siblings that, you know, were kind of, I, I guess you would say, you know, kind of genetically, you know, same parents and then uh, some uh, some stepbrothers and sisters as well. And the stated intent uh, for estate planning for the parents was, you know, the kids were just going to get it equally and, you know, and that's great. But who knows what was, what's going on here? I mean, if there's something where, you know, mid seventies for both of them, you know, if you have one spouse that predeceases the other, then the surviving spouse lives for a long period of time. Certainly there's, there's that potential for remarriage, uh, disinheritance. I don't know what their estate plan looks like. Uh, it's not uncommon in a situation when you have a second marriage that maybe there will be an outright bequest at, at the first marriage, excuse me, at the first death. Uh, going to the kids, sometimes money will be kept in trust, so uh, at least some money will go back to uh, the bloodline. It's quite possible that um, you have a situation there where there is some sort of trust language around that. I don't know. And um, I raised these issues with Jane, and she kind of was dismissive of them. But you know, no, we're just all going to split everything, you know, equally. You know, there's um, uh, there's three kids and or three or four kids, and we're, we're all just going to split everything equally. It's it's what our parents said, and 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 I get that, and that certainly may be the intent. But in this case, you know, even though they have a sizable amount of money, again, who knows about how long they're going to live. Who knows uh, about you know spending money on like a, a nursing home or something? They certainly seem to have enough money to go ahead and pay for that. But it's possible that uh, a lot of that money could be spent down, and so maybe what Jane is expecting is something going to be considerably less. And I think even more uh, of a risk here is you know what if there is some sort of um, again it's a second marriage. So what what does the estate plan say? You know is there some sort of money that's kept in trust and going to revert back to the bloodline? Where to be concrete? You know, say uh, Jane's mom survives her husband, and uh, Jane's mom is her biological mom, and is all that money gonna go to Jane's mom, and she can do with it whatever she wants? Where you know, hey, if her husband says, "Okay, I trust you. We've been married 30, 40 years. You know, I trust that you're gonna go ahead and follow my wishes and just distribute it equally to to our kids uh, when you pass." Well, maybe that's true. And, and certainly being married for 30 or 40 years, I, I would not be surprised if that sort of trust has been built. But uh, we just had a client pass away earlier this year, second marriage, you know, 30 plus years. 
and the trust was in place and um, and that wasn't the case. And it's not like he didn't trust his wife to go ahead and make those decisions and take care of his kids from a prior marriage that had really become her own kids over the last 30 or so years. Um, but that's not what the trust said. And so you just don't know is my point. And if you don't know, and if you're banking on uh, stopping work before your retirement plan is fully funded, there is a big risk in doing that. And so we talk through that in, in a great deal, and we continue to talk about it each time that we have a plan update. But if you look at the summary uh, that we put at the top of the, um, we call it a meeting agenda and, and summary of uh, each client's financial plan, so we just try to distill it down into the key points. But that assumption about her retiring when she wants to retire is stated that it really hinges on receiving a pretty sizable inheritance. And we, we, we tell what the assumption is in the plan for Jane. And she's comfortable with that, but we're not completely comfortable with it. So we, we keep talking about it and making sure that as time goes by and she gets closer to actually you know, stopping work and moving on to maybe retirement, maybe consulting, that we're just going to show her like, hey, if something changes here, here's really what portion of your plan is funded with your own income, retirement income and assets. And here's really if things don't go well uh, for the inheritance, for whatever reason that may be, intentional or not, uh, you know, here's really what's at risk and, and some of the ramifications of that. So I, in general, I mean, I think you have to lean towards being conservative as most things. Basic rule of financial planning is your money has to last at least a little bit longer than you do. And that's certainly a moving target on, on many regards. But banking on the inheritance, part, particularly uh, as part of your own retirement plan and funding it, before you know some of these things like in the case of steve that are that are much more certain you know everybody's on the same page steve's the power of attorney mom's a lot older uh, mom actually has a life care component so she's reduced and completely eliminated the nursing home cost risk much more certain situation to go ahead and plan on the inheritance uh, versus if somebody's in their 70s just because mom and dad have a lot of money much riskier to go ahead and bank in that case so interesting to see the two contrasting situations there between the the various folks. I, I imagine there's a little bit of a um, you know airplane analogy here of the put your own mask on first before helping those next to you, and it kind of works both ways for the parents. You know, in one of these cases, as an example, put your own mask, take care of your own retirement, make sure that you're okay first before worrying so much about the inheritance that you're going to pass on. And in the same token, as you know, those who may receive an inheritance, well, try to take care of your own business and your own household first before you know someone else is trying to give you the mask. Like, grab your own mask first, and then we can you know swap and compare masks or upgrade masks, if you will, at some point later on down the road. Maybe not the cleanest analogy of all, but kind of maybe a good mentality to have at least on both sides of the equation. Sure, and you know, and I should say. I mean, Jane was, she's very financially responsible. It's not like she's just looking, you know, to her folks to kind of bail her out, but you know, she's not exactly happy in her job. And so I think it's good to have the conversation. Um, again, it could be awkward to have the conversation with your folks about this, but I think it's good. Um, we had another client uh, that his dad had retired in his late fifties. Uh, he did pretty well. He was an engineer again, lived below his means, saved and invested. You know, these, his parents were you know kind of kids of the depression. So that was kind of the MO for, for their generation. And, you know, they have a few million dollars. Well, uh, the client was in a situation where, you know, he was, his kids were somewhere else and the grandkids were starting to come around and he was really kind of tied to, uh, his job in a place where he didn't necessarily want to be. 
and he was he was aware of what his parents had and you know his his dad talked to him about hey you know son i want you to be executor and here's some things that i think you need to know you know what have you and I, i nudged him i said you know you should really talk to dad about you know go a little bit deeper and see if it's something that you know maybe what's a realistic number or what are their intentions and then we can figure out what a realistic number is um, as far as an inheritance and we can have at least this intelligent conversation about whether or not to include it because in this case literally it was more of a life planning decision uh, for our client and, and he shared a story about how dad was able to retire in his late 50s and he and mom were really engaged with their kids growing up and it was just a wonderful family experience that they all had and here you know my client who's also in his late 50s at this time you know in a good job but you know as a family they were in a place where they didn't want to be their kids were uh, down by you in the carolinas walter grandkids are coming around and um you know he and his wife just didn't feel like they could really be as involved with their with their family as much as they wanted to be and just like you know his dad and mom were with with our kids and so i I nudged him i said you know i know it's going to be uncomfortable to have this conversation but dad opened the door talk to you about, you know, hey, he really count is going to count on you to handle their affairs when the time comes. And he kind of knew, uh, you know, round numbers, but he, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty there and it required some further conversation. I said, if you have this conversation, your dad, frankly, has the opportunity not to just give you money, but really to change, you know, your life, your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives. And they went through that and they had that first-handed experience and had that joy of being highly involved you know, with, with your kids. And now he can really, by having this conversation and a little thoughtful planning can really give that gift on down the line to you and now to your grandkids. And when I said it that way, I think it really resonated with him and and his wife. And, and I think collectively we nudged him enough to have that conversation. And what came out of that was he, I mean, he came back, he said, you know, it was definitely awkward, but he said, I'm definitely glad that I had the conversation and it completely changed their financial planning. It's awesome. That's great to hear that. I'm sure in your role, helping facilitate these conversations isn't easy, but in a similar fashion, very rewarding to be able to see families get on the same page and avoid potential problems in the future by making these big mistakes, assuming maybe in one direction or the other what's what's going to happen. So it's kind of a unique, a unique role for you to play in the middle of the facilitator. Yeah, well, that, that last situation or, I talked about. Or the, or, it, or the nudger, the it, nudger. Yeah, that, that was easy. <laughs> it's sometimes, and I'm sure everybody can relate to this, sometimes it's easy to give advice, um, but it's it's maybe more difficult to follow it, right? So that last situation was was. I would say easy. I mean, it's it's what we get paid to do to be thoughtful and and what's important to the client and then what resources are there and how can we help them you know design their align their resources to make sure that they can live the life that they want. And when he shared that story about his dad and being involved with their kids, I mean, it, to me it was clear as day. So I, I was able to give that advice, but he had to do the hard work in having the conversation with dad. So it was fairly easy. You know, it, it was in my domain. It was fairly easy to do. However. I have had the, uh, I've offered and I've, I've tried to take leadership roles in, um, in having family meetings where maybe there's a second marriage, maybe the kids, uh, you know, there's some strife and, and maybe not everybody's on the same page. That, those, are, those are a lot more work. Um, so I have done that with varying degrees of success in the past, but you have to have a uh, willing participants, but you know, it's difficult, you know, when you have a third party and it's why, you know, people go to counselors or what have you, you get that objective voice, you get somebody with knowledge and hopefully some wisdom 
and can listen and, and think critically and, and hopefully give uh, good advice to try to improve the situation. But, uh, you know, it's up to people what they do with it. And so, you know, that's it's part and parcel of the job from a day-to-day basis. Well, Kevin, uh, give us kind of an update on where things stand with True Wealth Design. If somebody wants to talk to you guys a little bit about, you know, uh, this situation maybe in their own financial life when it comes to putting together their financial plan, is the conversation like this about inheritances and where that fits into the, the equation and the puzzle part of those conversations that people have on a regular basis with you and your team? And given kind of where things stand here as we approach the end of May at the time of this recording, what's the status of True Wealth Design? Are you guys meeting with clients in office? Are remote meetings happening? Give us a quick overview of what operations are like for you, for those who might be curious. Yeah, no, great question. And thanks for asking, Walter. Uh, you know, no, things are good. Um, we are, I don't know the, the number off the top of my head, but we're somewhere around uh, kind of 10 new families that we've brought on to help so far this year. Uh, so that's it's fairly consistent with what we've done in the last few years. So while COVID certainly has impacted uh, everybody in the markets, as we've talked about uh, from a, a new client, new family perspective, uh, things seem to keep chugging along. Certainly times like this, uh, people that maybe were not as motivated to get professional help. Uh, we did see uh, what seemed to be a pretty big surge uh, in March uh, and April for people reaching out to have those conversations. And so uh, so it, things look good in that regard. Uh, a lot of Zoom meetings, uh, for sure. We've been running remote meetings for years as people you know, have maybe moved away from us, different retirement communities, things like that. So that's not new for us. We've been doing that successfully for years. Some clients are still coming in. Uh, if anybody does want to come into the office, uh, we did go out and we were able to to purchase uh, a good amount of uh, N95 masks. So, you know, the kind of masks that not only um, protect other people from you having uh, droplets, you know, cough and sneeze and what have you on them, but also protect you in return. So the medical grade kind. Uh, so if somebody does want to come in, uh, we do have those available and are happy to to share those with people when they come in. But uh, for most part, it's it's business as usual. Um, you know, we're you know, the three core things we do each year, planning, investing and taxes and all this other stuff is, um, you know, it really takes, I think, a good listener asking good questions and being able to pull the information together, whether it's an inheritance, whether it's a business whatever opportunity or threat a client may have, but it's our job to really understand the client, their situation, and then align everything as best as we can and then make sure that we stay on track over time. Well, it's fantastic that uh, you guys have been able to make your way through the uh, certain uncertainty that we've been going through over these uh, last couple of months and still able to help people figure out their financial futures and retirement futures. And if that's you, if you're in that category of maybe a little bit hesitant to make a decision or to get in gear when it comes to planning and uh, making these choices going forward, I know a lot of people have felt a little paralyzed maybe through this whole ordeal. But if you know that planning and making a choice is something something that's that needs to happen try not to delay anymore. Uh, it's never too late to start planning, but it's always better if you do it earlier rather than later. And if you want to get in touch with Kevin to talk a little bit about that, a couple of different ways you can do it. If you like the old-fashioned way, you can pick up the phone and give a call to the True Wealth team at 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. And you can also go online to truewealthdesign.com. That's truewealthdesign.com. And click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule your 15-minute call with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team. That's truewealthdesign.com. And we'll put the contact information in the description and show notes of today's episode so it's easy for you to find no matter where you're listening to the podcast. 
We also want to say a big thank you, Kevin, uh, to a recent podcast uh, listener and reviewer. Sage had some very kind words for your uh, clear and concise, although I'm not sure where she got the concise part, Kevin, on most of our episodes, but uh, the clear and concise uh, information that you present here on the show on Retire Smarter and appreciated the uh, the guidance and perspective that you bring. So we thank Sage for uh, dropping a note about the podcast in uh, the podcast reviews. And if you'd like to review the show, we'd love to hear from you. And so go to Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a review of the program if you have the opportunity to do so. It'd be great to hear some more feedback from folks. So we appreciate the help, Kevin, as always here on the program and have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk again uh, here real soon. All right. Thank you very much, Walter. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you soon right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.